Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this series, we're examining every single goddamn page of Alien Hunger, a quick start adventure for Vampire the Masquerade, to determine what is the dumbest thing on that page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. If you'd like to play along at home, this is 1991's Alien Hunger, the official PDF release from White Wolf. Tonight we're discussing page 20 of Alien Hunger, and I'm very excited because this is, other than the hot dog thing, the most overtly dumb thing we're going to get early in the book, and it's wonderful. And in fact, uh, it's so wonderful that I've had to bring a guest on the show, a, a very rare event, to help me handle this dumb and wonderful eventuality. Joining me today from the Hard Choices podcast is Megan Bob. Yes, that's true. I'm here with you to be on an episode of NBC. This is like being in Disney World. Yeah, it's fantastic. But I wouldn't have done you this favor for no reason. Oh, of course not. Right. I mean, I, I like my privacy in MDC. I need my space. Yeah. But on today's page is a thing that you are an expert on and I am not. So I, I need you here for that. Okay. So um, you stand over there on that side of the podcast. I'm going to talk about the, the book for a minute and then I'll bring you back in when it's time. Okay. That's totally cool. I've got some like knitting. Perfect. So listener, this is where we're at. Last page, Vampire Drama Club finally assembled. Our heroes are in one place, realizing that they are vampires and deciding how they're going to move forward with their existence. Everything has changed for them. For one thing, I mean, they're all into community theater. How are they going to how are they going to go on? But they have many other problems, more serious problems than how to pursue their community theater non-careers. One of which, maybe the most important one, you may remember yesterday, they read in the paper because it's the 90s, that there is a police investigation into the arson. Perhaps the players thought that this was a long-term plot seed. It is not. It's about to come on fast and hard, this police investigation. (laughs) And you're never going to believe, you're never going to believe what happens to these characters. So where we actually left off last time was the the first meeting of Vampire Drama Club, where, where Marcus realized, oh, I see what's happening here. We're vampires. That's, I was wondering why I ate that guy. Now I have the answer. It's because I'm a vampire. So he called up the others. They all got together and they realized, yes, we're vampires. And they decided at the very least to like stick together through this. And a good thing too, because they leave the meeting, right? They disperse to deal with their own respective shit. And within the next couple of nights, they are approached by a police investigator. (laughs) They get confronted wherever they are. I'm going to quote this from the book because otherwise you truly will not believe me. The man in charge of the investigation is Detective William Brandt. He is a very clever detective, but comes across as sort of a bumbler. Yeah. Think of Columbo when playing Brandt. Oh my he will personally God. interrogate the characters involved in the investigation. Now, it says think of Columbo. What the fuck? That's for legal reasons. This is Columbo. <laughs> it is going to become perfectly clear that this is Columbo. And it's, you know what? It's perfect because like, who else would you choose to take on Vampires, often wealthy, smug, dressed in a very dated way, <laughs> you know, and then when you foil them, then they're like curses. That's exact. That's that is Columbo's core competency is going into an office of a person like that and asking them shit. And then they, they think that he's beneath them. And then he and then he leaves somewhere along the line in here. He touches his forehead. I don't know. I don't watch the show very much, but <laughs> I understand that part's important. He has to touch his forehead. Yeah. And then he leaves, and then he comes back later, and he makes a fool of them. So I, it's, it is a perfect but bizarre marriage, World of Darkness and Columbo. 
This is why you are here, Megan Bob. It's not that weird. When did this come out? When did this book come out? This was in 1991. Okay. So Columbo had just come back on the air in 1989. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Columbo aired for like 60s and 70s, went away, and then they brought it back. And now Columbo's like, obviously, Peter Falk's aged. So it's not, mm-hmm. it's very weird to see. Okay. Buddy, what what do you think is the last murder that Columbo solves on television? I have no idea. I'm so excited. What is it? I believe 2003, he solves a murder at a rave. (laughs) You know what? To to pull us back to the text. Oh, wait, wait. One more thing. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to Columbo you. I know. I just wanted to tell you one thing. Okay. I can't believe you said one more thing. Go ahead. I know. There was a show called Mrs. Columbo about mm-hmm. Mrs. Co- Did you know about Mrs. Columbo as a show? Uh, that was Kate Mulgrew, wasn't it? There you go. That's all I needed. I just needed you to know that because I know you have big, strong Kate Mulgrew feelings, as every right-thinking person does. Kate Mulgrew is really important. Mm-hmm. Arguably more important than Columbo, but I don't want to get into it here. Today is about Columbo. Okay. There is a real question. You're talking about updating Columbo. This is partly why this is a dumb thing. I mean, obviously, this book has done a lot of stuff about, like, the tone of the game, like explaining to people through all of your actions and all of your words as a storyteller, this is what Vampire the Masquerade is. And you're going to have a really hard time maintaining that when you are doing a Columbo voice. Like when you introduce a character from TV who people know, and not even a serious character, but like a, a goofy character, you're deflating everything. So, so from the vampire side, this is a bad idea. Columbo, God bless him, by his nature, he is going to dissolve all of the pretension of early vampire on contact. If you're playing Columbo well, none of this should feel spooky and gothic. No. This should feel like what it is, which is like vampires are a bunch of assholes who commit murders and they're surprisingly easy to catch. However, from the Columbo side also, I'm worried about the tone that you strike with Columbo because I don't know, like even not watching the show, I feel protective of Columbo. Like I don't want to send him out here with fucking vampires. I don't want him out here getting mind controlled. And like, I don't want Columbo to get killed. I mean, I guess the understanding is that we would choose Columbo because we've already seen the thing go down. And so Columbo is a how catch him, not a who done it. Mm-hmm. And so I guess they're like, well, we've already seen it happen. Like now it's just going to be can this guy, you know, work away at them and pin this on them, which mm. makes sense structurally, but that's. He's still a weird fucking pull. That is a great point. That is exactly why I had you on. You're exactly right. He makes sense for this structurally because we know what's going on and we're watching the detective try to figure it out. It's not a thing where we're watching the mystery unfold. Yeah. However, he has something in common with the, like, the true mystery solving character of, of Sherlock Holmes where mm. we, like, we're watching the pieces come together and we're like figuring out how yeah. events transpired, albeit often very quickly. He has something in common with, with Sherlock Holmes in that I think it would be really hard to play him as opposed to write him because Columbo is so on top of situations. And there's often, at least in the little Columbo I've seen, there's kind of a magic trick. There's a thing happening where he's, he's leading someone through a conversation. And then at the end, then he kind of like springs the trap. And usually it's, it, this isn't like when he's, you know, busting somebody and they're going to like confess or whatever. This is just like in a normal conversation, like at the end, it becomes clear what he was driving at, that he knows something, and then he just backs off. And 
that would be so hard to set up in an interactive medium. Yeah, because the nature of it is that like, I mean, I think Peter Falk described it as like being uh, pecked to death by a duck or something. Mm. And so, yeah, there's a lot of like contact and then he recedes, contact and then he recedes. And it's like in an RPG, you're going to push that to some kind of resolution rather than just be like, well, we had a conversation where I felt a little threatened as a player. I'm sure I, I'm not going to push <laughs> that. Never mind. I keep a cool but, head about this. I think this was just like enthusiasm for the idea of Columbo on the part of the writer and was like, nobody would hurt my baby boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, who would do that? That's like, it's like kicking a puppy. Yeah, this really feels like when the author first like ran this thing like maybe this was a story i mean i know they play tested it because there's a mention in the text of playtesters when they play tested it maybe they just pulled columbo as a cop voice when the investigation started mm. and then decided to put it in the book mm. and like doing a funny voice for for your players like a voice they recognize can maybe work depending on the tone at the table that's different from writing in the actual character of columbo into the adventure where now we got to answer a lot of questions about columbo like you know somebody's gonna go kidnap columbo's wife or some shit and now you gotta <sighs> Now you got a world build about Columbo. Or his dog. Kidnap his dog? Yeah, his dog, dog. Fuck. I, no, I think the fact that it's dumb is proved by the fact, like, as we've seen repeatedly in this book, there's like a little fiction insert to give you a sense of what you're supposed to do in play, sort of describing our characters and like what's happening to them in the story. And we get to see our favorite polo playing asshole millionaire, Emerson Wilkershire III, confront Columbo. Ugh. It doesn't say in his stately home, but I assume in his stately home. Uh, <gasps> and, and so we're, we're going to do a dramatic reading of this. Sorry to bother you, Mr. Wilkeshire, but this whole thing has gotten us a bit jumpy. Nice place you got here. Thank you, Detective. Emerson tried not to look as appalled by the short, rumpled figure as he was. Would you like a drink? No, thank you very much. I'm on duty. Regulations. The detective looked apologetic. I'd like to ask you a few questions, if I may. He pulled a pad out of his pocket and began patting his other pockets in confusion, looking for a pen. This is, this is Columbo. This is 100% Columbo. This, this author is, needs to be arrested right now. This is Columbo. After a few minutes, Emerson offered Brant his own. Oh, thanks again. Brant rubbed his forehead. Now, what size shoe do you wear, Mr. Wilkeshire? 9C, replied Emerson, a bit confused. Oh, well, I'm going to take it again. 9C? <laughs> 9C, that's very nice. I wear a 7D myself. Almost have to have them made special, you know? Do you recall what kind of shoes you were wearing on the night of the fire? And, and this is the point in the vampire session where Emerson is like, okay, I point behind him and then he's distracted, I bite his neck. I just yeah. have, because clearly like, the shoe thing or is going mind somewhere. control. Yeah, let me get ahead of this. As it happens, Emerson Wilkershire III does not have mind control. Um, oh. Yes. A lot of charisma, um, as you can tell by his, his oh charming Oh my god, affect. he's like a total Columbo villain. They are mm -hmm. all charming as fuck. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's perfect. I, I, I hope Columbo takes this motherfucker down, but we'll see. Let's see, I was kidnapped after having changed at the club, so I would have been wearing the Nikes. I don't suppose you could show them to me, could you, Mr. Wilkeshire? Very well. Emerson went upstairs and looked in his closet and grabbed the shoes and almost dropped them again. When he went to get the dog, he had slipped. Slipped in blood. That, that needs to be an ellipsis, not a comma. When he yeah. went to get the dog, he had slipped. Dot, dot, dot. Slipped in blood. 
He returned the bloody Nikes and grabbed a pair identical except for color and lack of bloodstains. He returned to the drawing room. Here you are, detective. Nice shoes. You're a rich man, Mr. Wilkeshire. I imagine you own a great many shoes. Possibly even some identical to these, right? Well, now how long have you known Mr. Marcus Smith Kearns? Yeah. See? See, yeah. first of all, I, I hear Columbo. Good job. Thank you. There's no way that even a milk toast on like an epic scale like Emerson Wilkeshire III, there's no way he lets Columbo seize these fucking shoes without doing some vampire shit to him. It's impossible. That would be one thing if it was like just some guy, but if you make it Columbo and this is, yeah, this is copyright. This is gimmick infringement for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then it's like not only have you fucked up your plot, but you have also undercut the character of Columbo horribly for no gain. Also, like you got to do this in every scene because this, this page goes on to say, by the way, it's not just that Columbo's investigating you. That's not the whole thing. The text directs you how you're supposed to investigate the characters. You, you confront them in different places. You don't let them get their story straight. You actually make the players leave the room while you like interrogate other players so the players don't know what the other players are doing, which I'm... is always a horrible idea for a session. Also, Columbo would never do that. <laughs> well, I don't think he's actually separating people in the scene. I think yeah, you as a GM- still. Yeah, you're right. Like the, the sort of like the calculating thing of going from one person to another before they can collude. It seems beneath Columbo. That's not usually how Columbo figures things out. It's almost always something extremely specific and mundane. That's like his power. It's this shoe thing. And that's like there. Is, it is so hard to set that up because how how are you supposed to do this shoe thing? Like this is it works in fiction that, oh, yeah, he has this other pair of shoes and so he's going to try them, and then this guy's going to see through it. But, like, you're rolling dice. You're, the person playing Emerson is making up a lot of shit about what he owns. Like, I assume there is not, like, a thing on the back of Emerson's character sheet of, like, exactly which shoes he owns and where he keeps them. This is being improvised. So you have to count on Emerson's character to improvise an incriminating yet, like, coherent and logical account of which shoes he has. It is a lot to ask of you every scene you play this motherfucker. It's. You know, I can kind of see why they went with Columbo only in that if the attempt was, hey, we got to pick somebody who the characters are less likely to kill because we're going to try and keep them around for a long mm. time. It's like the non-threatening nature of Columbo. That's often how he kind of succeeds is that people really underestimate him. Sure. And, and you're taking a gamble there because I think you're right from the from the character perspective. Like if you're going to come at these pompous vampires, not all of them are, are pompous, but like Emerson definitely is. If you're going to come at them with an investigator, maybe come at that with an investigator who they're sure they can beat to avoid this turning into just like hide the cop's body, which is not where we want this to go. From the character perspective, from the player perspective, if we recognize this voice and know who Columbo is, immediately, like, yeah, first thing we got to do is kill Columbo before <laughs> anything else. Like, we cannot even adjourn Vampire Drama Club for the day until we kill Columbo. Although, I just want to say... That would be super World of Darkness to be like, nothing has been so edgy as this. We fucking <laughs> killed Columbo. It's true. It's a grim, dark world. America's sweetheart. Yeah, as Peter Falk is famously known. Uh, the dumbest thing is just the use of Columbo. I think it's a bad idea. And well, I'm not even going to say a bad idea. It's a dumb idea for so many reasons. Like mm. it could be fun. And I love that it's here. It makes this book so much more interesting. But it is a dumb idea to have this like your 
your carefully constructed edifice of, of like goth punk storytelling. You're initiating the characters into this dark world. And then as soon as they've got their feet under them, like literally the scene after they realize they've now joined the ranks of the damned. Here comes Columbo. But if you must use Columbo, and I would understand, this is my suggestion. He's Columbo. He's Columbo. He's Columbo. As long as you can do that. If they start to get rough with Columbo, and if they do that, they're bringing this on themselves. I think we understand this is crossing a moral event horizon. Mm -hmm. Then it turns out that he's not just Columbo. He is also an actual ex-angel like Peter Falk in Wings of Desire. <gasps> and he has some angel powers, like some true faith or something. And then they try to, you know, they try to grab him and like their hands start smoking and they yeah. burn and they recoil, which just feels like it's what should happen if you try to put your hands on Columbo. Oh, 100%. I thought you were going to say, he's not just Columbo. He's Mecha Columbo. And I was like, that's a weird pull, Chris. <laughs> that's, for, that's for Mage. We don't do that shit in okay. Vampire. Okay, no, I 100%, it would feel acceptable to me if Columbo suddenly was an angel. So anyway, that's it. I mean, Columbo's in this book. He's not going anywhere. We may not talk about this investigation for a little while, but he's around. And yeah. we're going to have occasion to talk later about how this all pans out. But it is amazing to me that Columbo is in this book. Thank you, Megan Bob, for joining me with your Columbo expertise. Thank you for letting me invade your show to talk about Columbo. I love Columbo so much. I cannot wait to do Columbo hard choices. It's going to be a bunch of murderers and then Columbo. <laughs> but also there's, okay, never mind. I'm not even going to get into it because this is going to get into Columbo lore. Okay. What we may want to do is, is let the listener know what hard choices is and where they can go to find it. Oh, that makes sense. Hard Choices is the show where we rank the fuckability of fictional characters from across a fictional universe. It's not really about how hot they are. It's about whether or not they're good at sex and whether or not you personally would be into that. If you're a fan of Chris Newton, and you should be. Thank you. The last episode that Chris Newton was on was Hard Choices 25 about gargoyles. I, look, I don't know who out there needs to be convinced that Disney's Gargoyles was a fucky-ass show, but it was a fucky fucky show and that is borne out by this episode the other one in the feed that i think okay this one's for how brave are you listener that's what i want you to ask yourself how brave am i what calling my listener listener like it's your house <laughs> go ahead it's fine it's fine no it's it's all right make yourself at home put your feet up yeah i am um not everybody has the stomach for this and honestly good for you if you don't you're probably you probably are a healthier person than those of us that would click download on Bad Choices Looney Tunes. Um, mm. That is our drunk episode that we do periodically. If you want to understand something about who Chris Newton is as a person, maybe, I highly recommend it. Now, if you're not a person who enjoys listening experiences that maybe border on Dark Side of the Ring, choose the Gargoyles episode. You'll You'll be perfectly happy that you did, or the vampires episode, or the clue episode, and you can find hard choices wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, if you just like to stream stuff and not download it. So uh, go look for hard choices wherever you get your podcasts and uh, enjoy. Also, if you're not really sure yet, we do have a trailer, uh, which is only 11 minutes and will... I think give you a good taste of what this fucking show is. Definitely check out Hard Choices. It's great. And uh, that's it for today. Join me next time 
when Vampire Drama Club threatened, backs to the wall, trapped in the corner, make some decisions about how to escape police scrutiny that will leave you, like them, with your jaws on the floor. Join me next time for that on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been Mega Dumbcast. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Social media was never healthy and is now dying, so if you want to contact me, you can email me. I am megadumbcast at gmail.com. This season's theme song is Suck City by Black Math, whose work you can find at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash black underscore math. Dumbheads, I will catch you next time. <laughs>